0: The Old Testament reading for this, the fifth Sunday after Pentecost, comes from the book of Lamentations, the third chapter. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. Let him sit alone in silence when it is laid on him. Let him put his mouth in the dust. There may yet be hope. Let him give his cheek to the one who strikes, and let him be filled with insults. For the Lord will not cast off forever. But though he cause grief, he will have compassion according to the abundance of his steadfast love. For he does not willingly afflict or grieve the children of men. This is the word of the Lord. Praise God. Or oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How are his and how his his ways. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To The epistle reading comes from Paul's second letter to the church in Corinth, the eighth chapter. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own free will. See that you excel in this act of grace also. I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened, but that as a matter of fairness, your abundance at the present time should supply their need so that their abundance may supply your need that there may be fairness as it is written, whoever gathered much had nothing left over and whoever gathered little had no lack. this is the word of the Lord be to God. the Holy Gospel which serves as the text for a sermon this morning comes to us according to Saint Mark the fifth chapter. Which means, little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking, for she was twelve years of age. And they were immediately overcome with amazement. And he strictly charged them that no one should know this, and told them to give her something to eat. And this is the Gospel of our Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our gospel reading for today is perhaps a little bit lengthier than previous weeks. And in it we have two different events going on. We have Jairus' daughter and we have the woman in need of healing. And in the old pericope system before the new hymnal came, there was the option to shorten it up a little bit, to skip the section about the woman with the bleeding and just read the two parts of the Jairus account. And at a glance it kind of makes sense to do that, because it makes the interaction with Jairus flow just a lot more smoothly. The fact is, that's not the point of reading the Bible. The Bible is real history, and real history doesn't always flow like a storybook. In fact, in order for us to really understand the whole account of Jairus, it's important to take in the whole account and not just skip to what we might think are the good parts of it. Well, Jairus was in need because his daughter was deathly ill. And lo and behold, he catches word that Jesus is in the area. Jesus, the healer. Jesus, the miracle worker. Jesus, the powerful man of God. And so Jairus goes to him. He falls down before him, Begging earnestly for Jesus to do something to save his beloved daughter, who was at death's door. Jairus knew the urgency of his plea, but he didn't completely comprehend the power of God. You know, can you imagine the joy of Jairus when Jesus agrees to come to his house? I mean, this was a desperation move for Jairus to seek out Jesus, go to him, fall down before him, and say, Lord, my daughter is ill. She is near death. Please, come do something. Jairus knew how popular Jesus was. He knew that Jesus had plenty of other people to help. He knew that Jesus had no real obligation at all to actually help him. He wasn't sure he would even get to see Jesus, and he certainly wasn't sure that Jesus would come with him. And so imagine the joy when Jesus says, Let's go. Let's go see your daughter. Let me see her and heal her. The joy he would have felt walking back to his house, knowing he has someone who can do something for his daughter. But now imagine his frustration. As the crowd presses in. And as Jesus stops to talk with this woman. They're in a hurry. His daughter is dying. And Jesus stops. Do you think Jairus just kind of stood by calmly thinking, It is good to wait upon the Lord. Or do you think he was a little bit impatient, angry even, That Jesus is kind of taking his time. That Jesus doesn't seem to grasp how serious Jairus' situation is. I mean, this woman who's now talking to him, as they find out, she's had this problem for years. So a few more minutes is not going to matter to her, but it can be the difference between life and death for Jairus' daughter. And so while Jairus is waiting and wanting Jesus to hustle up, to sprint to his house and fix things, Jesus seems to be dragging his feet, kind of lollygagging around, taking his sweet time and doing anything but helping the situation. And as Jesus is still talking to the woman, the woman that he stopped everything to talk to, the people come from Jairus' house And say that his daughter has died. Now, this probably means that even without stopping, they would not have gotten there in time. But if you're Jairus, do you see it that way? He was probably angry at the crowd for slowing them down, saying, Come on, why didn't you people get out of the way? We could have gotten there in time. He was probably upset with the woman who took up so much of that precious time. And yes, he was probably even angry with Jesus for stopping to chat. He was probably mad at himself for not being more forceful about the whole thing. For not telling Jesus, come on, we have got to get going. Or shouting at the crowd to just get out of the way so they could get there. His daughter has died and Jairus is in agony. But Jesus responds, Do not fear, only believe. Because you see, Jesus is not bound by time. Jesus is the Lord of lost causes. When the world says, Don't bother the teacher anymore, Jesus speaks words of faith rather than despair. When the world laughs and says, there's nothing anyone can do here, Jesus proves us all wrong. Because you see, Jesus had been in control the entire time. He knew what would happen. And he knew when it would happen. In fact, his delay, while it might have seemed terrible, it turned out to be an opportunity for an even greater display of his power. Had Jesus arrived at the house while the little girl was still living, there would have been plenty of those who said, oh, he just showed up as she was starting to get better on her own. It was just a coincidence. She would have been fine even if Jesus hadn't been there. Jairus himself may have fallen into that trap and thought, boy, why did I even bother Jesus? She would have been okay. But since she was dead, it was clear that she was beyond all help. All human help, at least. And so instead of leaving room for doubt in Jairus' mind, Jesus shows him his mastery over even death itself. Jesus shows Jairus and all those who are watching that he is more than just a snake oil salesman, more than even just a good doctor. He is God himself in the flesh, able to raise the dead, to new life. And he did. He says to her, little girl, I say to you, arise. And she does. And all those who stood there mocking Jesus, all those who had been mourning and lamenting, turned to laughter of joy, rejoicing that this little girl is not dead, but was made alive by the power of God himself. Well, we too come to Jesus with our pleas. In our lives, we know the urgency of our plea, but we don't always comprehend the full power of God, do we? As Christians, we know that Jesus is our Lord. He is our Savior. He is our protector. He is the one who gives us everything that we have. But in so many situations... We lose sight of just how powerful Jesus really is, and we want things to be done a particular way. We want things to go the way that we had them worked out in our head. And when we come to Jesus, we expect Him to do it the way we want. When we are sick, we want instant healing. We prayed to Jesus, He better do this for us and make things right. When we are sad, we want instant joy. We're Christians. We shouldn't have to be sad. We shouldn't have frowns on our faces. We should always be happy. When we want something from God, we want it now. And we too, like Jairus, have this idea that it's got to be done now. Hustle, Jesus. Hustle. Get on it because this is the way it has to be. And when it doesn't happen instantly, When things interrupt, when things don't go exactly the way that we want them to, we feel frustrated or disappointed or even angry at Jesus. We might join in with the world's forlorn sob of, why bother the teacher anymore? There's nothing that even Jesus could do in this situation. We might weep and wail like the mourners who assume that all hope is lost we ignore the words of wisdom that remind us all throughout the Bible that God's ways are not our ways. In the book of Lamentations, Jeremiah writes that it is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord, not trying to force our way upon Him, but waiting, enduring, knowing that God will be there, faithfully trusting in His ways far above ours. Because as he also says, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. We might think they do. We might look at what's going on in our lives and we might say God has forsaken us. God has abandoned us. God has not answered my prayer because things didn't happen the way that we thought. But in every situation, no matter how hopeless it might seem, no matter how disappointed we are that Jesus didn't do what we expected, our loving Lord gives us what is best. Not what we want the most, but what is truly best for us. When Jairus and the crowds heard the news of his daughter's death and they thought, man, there goes that, nothing's going to happen here, Jesus performed an even greater miracle. Throughout our lives, when we've given up and said, there's no way that Jesus could possibly help now, he does. And oftentimes in ways far beyond what we had planned out. Sometimes our prayer is answered, weeks, even years down the road. Sometimes a solution appears completely out of the blue, something we had never even considered that's even greater than what we thought had to happen. Sometimes, we might assume that the problem was never actually fixed. But it turns out that what happened was the best for us after all. In high school and college, I was desperate for a girlfriend. I had been shot down so many times, I felt like a reusable clay pigeon. And I prayed about it, over and over and over, week after week, about... All the people that I saw and I thought, she's perfect. Why, why, oh Lord, would you not let her go out with me? And then I found Amy. God answered my prayer by not answering my other prayers. God let me know that the things that I had in mind, the people that I thought were perfect for me, down the road I saw what they turned into, and I prayed again to God and said, thank you for not letting them date me. (laughs) You know, sometimes we get that, and we can look back at the situation and rejoice and say, Lord, you gave me something far greater than I even imagined. Sometimes, We'll never even know the solution that God provided. We might think that God never did anything, that nothing actually happened. But in every situation, every single one, our loving Heavenly Father gives us not what we think is best, but what He knows is best. And nowhere do we see that more clearly than at the cross then in his redemption for us from sin and death and the devil. When sin first entered the world in the Garden of Eden, what did Adam and Eve do? Well, they assumed first that there was nothing that they could do except hide. And then when they were confronted about the sin, they thought the best thing to do was to lie about it. But God gave them a different way. God promised them a Savior. And at the cross, Jesus fulfilled that promise. Jesus paid the price in full of every sin of mankind. Every sin, every transgression, every horrible, wretched thing that we have done or thought. At the empty tomb, he gave us the victory over death. And he proved that the situation was not hopeless as we thought. That God had not abandoned his people as we thought. But rather, he had done everything perfectly, even better than we could have imagined. Because in our mortal minds, did the cross look like victory? Did the death of the Messiah look like the eternal joy that it should have been? But as Jesus rose again, he gave each of us hope. In fact, he gave us more than hope. He gave us a guarantee He gave us a promise. He gave us an eternal victory that we could not have predicted, could not have brought about by ourselves, could not have even seen coming. Because it is far greater than we sinners could hope for. We hoped that the wrath of God would not destroy us immediately because of our sin. We hoped that God would continue to give us earthly blessings even though we had rebelled against Him. And what did God give us instead? Through the unlikely means of the cross and empty tomb? He gave us His kingdom. He gave us eternal life. He gave us not just a little better life, but a complete forgiveness, a cleansing of all of our sin. He has removed it from us as far as the east is from the west and has brought us into His kingdom as His beloved children. To live with Him forever. Imagine that. Sinners like us dwelling in the perfection of heaven. We who were dead in our sin, we are raised to new life by the power of Jesus Christ. We are made a new creation. We are taught to trust in His eternal mercies. All of our pain is taken away in the end. All death is destroyed. All sin is wiped out completely. And as we trust in the word of the Lord, even now as we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we are given the blessed promise that Jesus is with us always, keeping us in His almighty hands. Now, this doesn't mean that everything's going to go exactly the way that we want it, even if our faith is strong. This doesn't mean that Jesus is going to do what we want when we want. There are times when we will throw our hands up in frustration and we are going to say, Lord, why? Why are you not doing anything now? Come on, hustle, Jesus, hustle. But it does mean that in all circumstances, Jesus Christ is in control and he will do what is best for us. Like Jairus, we are going to find ourselves in some dire situations in life. We are going to go to Jesus knowing that we absolutely need his help and that no one else will do. And like Jairus, we will face delays sometimes, frustrations, heart-crushing moments when it seems like Jesus has failed us. We will feel anger and sadness at Jesus. We will wonder why he didn't hustle the way we wanted him to. Because that's our human nature. But in the end, Our Lord will give us joy beyond our imagination as he heals every single one of our woes. Sometimes it will be exactly what we ask for. Sometimes it will be something that we never saw coming. Sometimes we will wrongly think he's done nothing at all. But whatever might happen, whether we see and understand God's hand or not, we know that our Heavenly Father always does what is best for us. And in the end, even in death, the ultimate best thing ever is given to us. The gift of eternal life in paradise. Not because you hustled, not because you prayed just the right way, not because of anything that you yourself did or didn't do, but simply because Jesus Christ came into this world for you died in your place upon the cross, and rose again to give you the eternal victory. He is with you always. And because you have been justified by His blood, you shall be with Him for all eternity. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. And it is even better that by the grace of our Lord, we know without a doubt that that salvation is ours as a free gift. For by the cross of Jesus Christ alone, by his empty tomb alone, you are forgiven of every one of your sins. And eternal life in heaven is yours. To God alone be all glory, now and forever. Amen.